Welcome to Numb Bills Fan Podcast number 189. I'm your host, David Palermo, and this podcast is a Facebook Live video from Thursday morning, and we cover three players, Jeremy Curley, Chris Ivory, and Andre Holmes. Here's a few reasons not to sleep on them going into the 2018 Bills season. All right, so the conversation got a little uh, chopped up over here on the import from the file. So I kind of just jump in real quick with you. So just bear with it. Conversation picks up essentially on reviewing the offseason of what weapons were brought in and who's been on the roster, etc. So here you go, people. Is The Bills are going to the 2018 season. And frankly, a lot of people are nervous. You know, what... What weapons do the Bills have, especially offensively? I'm going into the draft. Uh, you know, let's review uh, the trauma for me, which is gave up a left tackle to move up in the draft. That's one piece that the Bills could use as an offensive lineman who's solid. Um, two second round picks, which is three players now, to move up to get Josh Allen. Do not have a problem with the Josh Allen pick. I thought the Bills would let the draft fall to them. And when you give up a lot of picks, as much shit as I gave and we gave Doug Whaley for drafting Sammy Watkins, you have to understand he drafted Ronald Darby the next year, which is top two or three cornerback in the league, rookie season. So, um, you know, the Bills did well grabbing Trey White. You know, Sean McDermott's first draft, which was allegedly Doug Wheelie's last draft. Um, and the last signings that are really impactful, what are they? Jordan Poyer, Micah Hyde. Um, as far as impactful players last season, also technically Doug Wheelie players. So um, I'm more of a general manager, philosophical kind of guy of let's get these chess pieces and then roll with them um but as much shit as i'll sit here and talk um the the real is this i don't feel i know more than coaches at all that's not the case that ain't my job i've never played a live down of organized football in my life i've not hit my head in football that many times have i done other sports yes i wrestled in high school and I've seen us outwork a lot of the football players. So, like, I will put out my workout up against any football player, calling that shit out right now, not fucking scared. My measurables, though, kind of a problem. 5'7", have abs for the first time in my life at 34, kind of weird. But I might weigh, haven't even weighed myself forever, I might weigh, like, 155 to 150, if that. I've lost a lot of mass. So... It's called not being fat and cutting out your sugars, and then it looks like you got a pill problem or something, but that's where I'm at, in case you asked, from my measurables. So, um, I don't buy the, you didn't play football, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about, bullshit. There's plenty of guys, you read their newspaper articles that you agree with, and welcome, I'm one of them that doesn't write newspaper articles, but I call things how I see it, 
and on an unfiltered platform for as long as we have this unfiltered platform of the internet. Um, I'm going to tell you what the fuck is up. And I'll tell you what the fuck is up. I don't think the Bills, uh, to most fans, replenished the, the, the pieces that they got rid of. Um, Marcel Darius was replaced by Star Latule. Okay, that's one for one. Good. Still another high contract. I don't want to hear we got rid of Darius because of his contract, infinite, whatever. Guy was already here. You need a receiver who could take the safety away on the defense, take the top off, take the lid off. Sammy Watkins, oh wait, gone. Part of that Josh Allen trade up, uh, that second round pick. But you got EJ Gaines. Well, you already had Ronald Darby on the team who was traded away for what? <laughs> that receiver there? What the hell is his name? How am I drawing a blank? From Philadelphia, you got hurt. Jordan something? Oh, my God. This is a serious show right now. So, so I had three names for everybody today. And um, one player was brought in last season. And the two players were brought in this past training camp. Uh, this past offseason with um, Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott. So player number one I want to talk about is actually Jeremy Curley. Player number two will be Chris Ivory. And player number three, another don't sleep on uh, guy for you, would be Andre Holmes. So receiver, running back, receiver. First off, right off the bat, um, Jeremy Curley. Name sounds familiar. Played with the Jets for a bunch of years. Uh, Let me load up some little stats here. So one thing with Jeremy Curley that is always a... uh, thing for me is he's always been like a guy that when the Bills would preview the Jets um he played for the Jets from 2011 through 2015 San Francisco in 2016 I believe was that the last year with Kaepernick I believe and he his last year in San Francisco if you really want to see something kind of crazy he uh he had 66, 64 receptions in 2016 on 115 targets. Now, that's a lot of targets. And the last time he had that many targets was in 2012 on the Jets. So um now Jeremy Curley's interesting to me because he's a guy that when the Bills play him and you know I listen to the previews of the game, Jeremy Curley's always a guy that um I kind of always paid attention to. And he was just suspended for PEDs last, uh, middle of the way through last season. That's why he only has eight games. And um, he only threw up 22 receptions on 27 targets. But that's a, like a really high percentage, if you ask me. And uh, so I like that he tries hard, that he got a PED suspension. That tells me, like all kidding aside, that tells me the dude is like, in tune with what he needs to do with his body yeah is it steroids i guess but i don't really know is it steroids or is it something that maybe you got to go overseas to get done and maybe that breaks the rules i don't know you know peyton manning went overseas to get his neck worked on uh, i think it's regenikin look into it and uh they take your blood they throw in a stem they throw it in a centrifuge and they spin it and they, get, they separate the white and red blood cells, and then they put it back in your body. I don't know how it works, okay? They take the shit at the top, I think. What do I know? So, that's what I hear on the Joe Rogan Experience podcast. I'm trying to puppet here and sound like, yeah, I know my shit. 
No, I don't know shit. And I'll tell you, I don't know shit. But I do know that Jeremy Curley takes care of his body. Win for Jeremy Curley. Really so. And the thing, reason I think Jeremy Curley is going to be a guy you don't sleep on is Zay Jones played a lot during this preseason. Let's not forget how much shit Zay Jones went through. And I am so psyched to see him out there playing ball and, you know, forgetting about everything. That's what sports is about. I look back to sports after doing music stuff and realizing, like, I'm, like, going to drive myself crazy thinking about all the variables and music isn't always a job. A band isn't always a job. Writing songs isn't always a job. But if you enjoy doing it, you think, oh, I want to do it all the time. And how do I keep the lights on? You're going to drive yourself crazy. So I kind of look to sports for an outlet. So for Zay Jones to be working back at football, that's what he's raised with. That's cool. I hope it's fun for him. Um, I think that, you know, what happened with Zay Jones is unfortunate during the offseason. And a lot of these NFL players need to be supported. And, I mean, look at Richie Incognito, wish him the best, too. So, a bunch of car crashes a day per player. And offensive and defensive linemen, even worse. And there's not enough mental health for these guys. So, I hope that Zay's doing cool. But fact is, I'm pretty sure that Jeremy Curley will start over him. I could be crazy. You know, Jeremy Curley is really cheap. Like, if you cut him, which is weird. So, they cut Coleman, which is the guy, the Bills, the receiver the Bills brought in from the Browns for a seventh-round pick. They traded for him. A seventh-round pick in 2020. Yeah, it's only a seventh-round pick. Yeah, it's only a seventh-round pick. But it's more than that to me. It's... These picks are commodities. You just, again, a seventh round, you just threw it away. What if there's a guy in the fourth round you really like and you want to get him and he will actually start for your team? Maybe use that pick. Or you can do that and a new coaching staff can come in, Reggie Raglan, and just cut him. Don't even get to see it down on football. Nah, you know what? We're good on this Reggie Raglan guy. Let's just cut him. Don't even know what the fuck he could do. Fuck it. He doesn't fit. Okay. So, for me, draft picks are commodities, and Corey Coleman got cut. And I believe, as I'm not looking at SpotTrack.com, S-P-O-T-R-A-C.com for all player contracts. Great website. Um, I kind of look at, like, Two point something million he's gonna cost on the cap, I believe, for two thousand and eighteen, Corey Coleman. And he didn't make the team. So you trade a pick. Again, just a seventh rounder, not a big deal. I understand. In a normal world it's not a big deal. But then uh, the Bills have been trading fucking picks for like four years now in drafts. So I kinda like Getting sick of it here. We all love a trade now. Can't complain about a trade down at all. But second rounders are valuable starters. Third rounders are valuable starters. The way football works is there are so many damn positions. Do we have to go through them all? 
So if there's 32 teams around, yeah, I have two. Let me put up to three. 32 teams around, right? Can you just multiply that by three? So 32 and 32 is 64. So 96 players. So 96 players will go in the top three rounds, typically. Okay? Obviously. So if you have, like, a left tackle, <laughs> a right guard, a center, a left guard, and a right tackle, that's five players. Let me get this hand in there. Receiver, how many different body types? What kind of receiver do you want? AKA, like, who are you going to draft and you can just market your team to, oh, yeah, we need a big body guy the whole time. We finally got him. Okay, cool. Well, the offense ain't going to call to throw it to him, so what the fuck does it matter? Cool. Great. You got this guy. Anyways, (laughs) running back, which the Bills love running backs. Apparently, everything runs to the running back. Um, Two. What else you got? A tight end? But you don't take tight ends that high. That's the whole thing. You don't take tight ends that high. Fullback? Put that finger down. So, look. That's just on the offensive side of the ball. At least seven positions. And I can name a lot of players the Bills could use or a lot of positions that looked undervalued. I mean, the season hasn't started. You have to take everything from 2017 with Rick Dennison and throw it out the fucking window. Like, throw it out the window. That's why Andre Holmes is on the list, and we'll get to him. But the Bills took all this equity and day one starters, and there's 96 players in the first three rounds. I'm sure they could have plugged up some holes with some good talent cheaply through the draft this year and not package them up when a team makes the playoffs as a fan you want to go back and you know sometimes i almost wonder like people people threw it out at at a presser last year oh the bill's tanking it's like what but in hindsight when you kind of look at it of the the offensive line scheme change from a primarily power blocking scheme and keep in mind it was two years rushing number one in the league first year was They ran more than everybody else. Second year wasn't quite. Pretty close, though. So you had a turnkey operation. You package a team up with the defense, and we're winning football games. That said, they made no sense to me at all, and they made the playoffs of all years. They made the playoffs. And I haven't felt like kind of, I don't want to say bummed out before a season, but pretty like kind of bummed out before a season. Like, I don't know. Really reminiscent of Buddy Nicks coming in as GM and just like not a lot of big name players and these signings that they're having. Um, we watched Doug Whaley. That's my dude, obviously. I mean, all I do is talk about Doug Whaley. But no, my whole thing with Doug Whaley is, yeah, he, he missed on some on, on, on Watkins, I guess. It shouldn't have happened. You know, Doug Marone allegedly walked out of the draft room saying like, what the fuck? from what I heard. So when they drafted Watkins. But the guy was able to get people off the street and have them make the Pro Bowl. Get fourth, fifth round picks. Have them get into second contracts. You know, 
the Bills, can we do we have to go through the second round picks that Bills have had that we can just remember since this whole Bills Mafia thing even started just recently? Like, Jerry Bird. There's nine interceptions his rookie year. Is that an anomaly? Sure. Second round pick. Robert Woods. Second round pick. Second contract. Marquise Goodwin into his second contract. He's actually with a quarterback in Garoppolo. And if you were to tell me you're going to draft Marquise Goodwin in fantasy, I was probably the only one. So go fuck yourself because I'm the only dumb one to do that because I believe in the kid that he's more than a track guy. But Buffalo fans apparently think, oh, he's injury prone. Well, if you watch how these players get hurt, <laughs> and the last time he was hurt really bad was a concussion. Can't control that. Your prior hurt really bad. Uh, Steelers lineman just like flopped on him in preseason or something. So Marquise Goodwin will be just fine. Well, the Bills haven't had a guy in the slot that's, like, dependable. So, if Jeremy Crowley is a number two receiver down underneath Calvin Benjamin, makes you wonder, like, is Zay Jones next on the chart? Do they swap out Jeremy Crowley and Zay Jones? So, the Bills haven't beefed up the receiver position, but I think you know, through the draft, that's kind of where I was at the equity point, which is that could have been a hole plugged from that draft. So what I'm getting at here is if you think about Brian Daybolt, the Bills offensive coordinator, you add up what you think about when you see in New England, um, and you're seeing a lot of things like guys getting into space. I'm thinking Chan Gailey's offense. And there have been quotes from camp that this looks, this offense of Brian Dable is reminiscent of Chan Gailey's offense. Very creative. You're seeing players talk about it. Really refreshing. A comment from Eric Wood, you know, which is bold because that's, he's a professional football player or now retired. Wish you the best, Eric. Um, But guys don't talk like that. When a player like like the Steelers right now ripping on Le'Veon Bell for being a piece of shit and not coming to work, at least to them, which is a whole nother topic. If you're self-employed, shit, sit out all year, get better, come back better next year, you're going to get paid, you know? So, way I look at it is, I really think that if you're looking to get players in position to succeed, Jeremy Curley should be a pretty easy one. There's miles of tape on Jeremy Curley. The dude should be showing the rest of the team how to run rounds. And I believe he's only, his cap hit, say you were to cut, um, say you were to cut Jeremy Curley right now, his cap hit is not even that much money. And I don't know why the hell Mike Smith thinks it's okay to text me in the middle of this right now, but I don't want to talk to you, Mike. I'm talking to myself on my own little screen over here. So, yeah, Jeremy Curley's cap hit is, uh, only forty five is uh six hundred seventy five thousand dollars this year, and his dead cap is only forty five grand. What that means to you is, this dude must be doing exactly all the right shit at practice to still be on the team when they caught Corey Coleman, who's a two point something million. I can actually look it up. Two point something million dollar cap hit, and I'm hoping Jeremy Crowley can make up for that cap hit. Okay, Adrian McCarron, side news, that's more cap money even though they trade him away. More money, more dead cap. So now you're up to 4 to $5 million, at least $4 million, maybe f- more than $5 million, but at least 4 to $5 million in dead cap this season. 
Oh, the Bills have no money. I don't know. Wonder fucking why you don't have any money. Look at the dead cap on the players. Go on spotjack.com. Look at all the players that are still getting paid and then go, man, we might be able to use that guy right now going into this season. Oh, he doesn't fit in. Doesn't fit in with the culture I got. So I have an argument for that. If you have 53 fucking players on the roster plus practice squad and like 53 of them are falling in out of the 60 in the building, I think the other seven might fall in line, maybe work with them. So that's my, that's kind of like my, my culture argument. I'm trying to adjust this. Got too much light coming in here. Um, so the next guy I got, I think goes hand in hand with, um, with this whole thing here which is getting guys in the position to succeed jeremy curley miles of tape and jeremy curley miles of tape now on chris ivory i think chris ivory he's had he had a down year last year he was also was um mike why are you talking so much Jeez, relax 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 blow off some steam so my comments is sorry to audio. My comments is just blown up with Mike here. I gotta mute him. Sorry, Mike. So Chris Ivory, Mike Smith hates Chris Ivory. I think so. He only had three point four yards of carry last year and three point eight yards of carry the year prior with Jacksonville. And um, you know he had a lot of attempts. He had one hundred twelve and one hundred seventeen. So. I mean, that's not even 10 attempts a game for him. But in 2015, he averaged 4.3 yards a carry, had 1,000 yards rushing, but he rushed for 247 times and started 14 games. So when I see one team, you know, he does well. Year prior is 4.1 yards of carry. Year prior to that, still in the Jets, 4.6 yards of carry. And if you remember him, the first three seasons, Chris Ivory spent on the New Orleans Saints. So, pretty dependable dude. He He's caught a lot more balls, believe it or not, with the Jets and the Jaguars. Now, the reason I bring out Chris Ivory is his role, I will feel, will be like one-third it's not going to be a slip backfield. It's going to be one third. So what that I would think. So what that means is what Chris Ivory needs to do is somehow pose more of a threat than fucking Mike Tolbert did on third down. I don't think it's that hard to figure out. Okay. And I'm not bagging on Mike Tolbert. Mike, I know you're listening, dude. It wasn't your fucking fault, dude. You know whose fault it was? Your coach for leaving you in there on third and long. Wow. So much for making sure that guy, we got to pay attention to this guy in the field. So the Bills made it easier. <laughs> Mike Tolbert. But Chris Ivory has always reminded me of a Fred Jackson that's slightly quicker. I would say maybe a lot quicker. Maybe a lot's not a good word. So on a scale from 1 to 10, if a lot is a 10, like a lot, a lot is a 10, and Fred Jackson's a zero, and we're adding Chris Ivory on the scale, he's probably like a four, okay? A four. A squeezer bit faster than Fred Jackson, but similar style running. So 
again, Jeremy Curley, Chris Ivory. Chris Ivory has been through three different offenses, played with Drew Brees, which he doesn't really have many receptions at all, if you can believe that with Drew Brees. But what did he do with Drew Brees, man? They had three running backs in New Orleans forever. So, and keep in mind your little Darren Sproles years too. Um, so if you if you really look at it, I think situationally, Chris Ivory is going to be just fine. And again, it's another one of those deals where Chris Ivory wasn't really didn't really play that much during preseason. So, um, as far as like how they're going to use him, I don't know. But we got to see other guys like Marcus Murphy come in and, and show what he's got. And actually, maybe, depending on his opportunities, Chris Ivory, if he is only doing three yards a clip, running the ball, you know, he's going to have to get the fuck out. So let's figure it out. That said, if Chris Ivory is good on pass protection, if he can catch the rock a little bit, you know, I would be down with 20 receptions from Chris Ivory. I mean, that was 20 receptions as a backup, but high in Leonard for net. So, um, you know, that's, like, pretty crazy. He only started, like, they say four games at Jacksonville over four years. So, that's a technicality probably. Next player I got is Andre Holmes. Andre Holmes was brought in last season. Andre Holmes is a wide receiver who played with Oakland early on in his career. Two th- or he started on Dallas as a uh, came came in on Oakland 2013 through 2016 and was brought in last season and we're going to 2018. Now here's the deal: he's got only 13 receptions last season on 22 targets. Season prior, 25 targets, 14 receptions. Um, now. His best year, he actually had 47 receptions, his third year in the league, on 99 targets. Um, now, six foot four, that's a long dude. 210. It's kind of a lanky guy if you ever meet him. Um, I actually had the pleasure of talking to him one time at camp last season. Kind of nice guy. Couldn't complain. Um, but when he was brought in, it was before the Bills had Calvin Benjamin. So. When it comes to tall receivers in Buffalo, we're always like, oh, we need one of those go-up-and-get-em guy. Come on, let's go up and get him. Let's do it. Just throw it up there. He's going to go get it. Well, this is pretty much Calvin Benjamin light, essentially, is what I thought, right? So, I'm rolling. I'm like, all right, looking forward to season pan. Now we got him. We got Sammy Watkins. This is last last season. I'm like, okay. Okay, take a little heat off of Sammy. Got to look for this guy in the red zone. And um, I'm all stoked on life with Andre Holmes. And if you would know it, he had three receiving touchdowns on the Bills. Probably didn't know that, did you? And if I'm not mistaken, I think that led the receivers in touchdowns. So when I'm thinking, let's revert back to Brian Dable. Let's revert back to Aaron Hernandez, the murderer, and Robert Gronkowski, and all these little receiver guys, little white dudes running around on the Patriots. Well, how can I take what I've seen New England beat the fuck out of everybody with and use that here? Well, essentially, it seems like the game has turned out to be like a screen and like people don't like that's how I see it. And my layman's mad in terms. Okay, (laughs) when I'm watching the Patriots, it's like a more modern looking screen. It's 
oh, let's put this guy running this route this way, and then the cornerback will smash into him. Well, it can't do anything about that. And then the guy busts out for some yards. Well, if you got these big-ass fucking dudes out there, like crewman tight end, <laughs> like Andre Holmes, Calvin Benjamin, I mean, that's some pretty damn big, like, bodies right there. Like, for real, just big, tall dudes who, if you can somehow get done the ball in space, along with Logan Thomas, another huge tall hands, or tall dude, former quarterback, smart, but these tight ends, you got to work on their blocking. Now, Andre Holmes, he was always a solid special teamer. And when he was brought into Buffalo, he wanted an opportunity to catch the ball. That's what all receivers say, but that's what they want to do. So when you look at Rick Dennison, the Bills' former offensive coordinator, you have to take, again, Andre Holmes' year last year, scrap it out the window, just like everybody else. You had on this offense, to remind you, a center and a guard who went to the Pro Bowl the year prior who – digressed I don't think you could have come into Buffalo with an easier fucking situation offensively if football starts with the run which it does and you have an offensive line that's formidable with an offensive line coach and Aaron Cromer who is now with the Rams who did awesome Todd Gurley how high did you take fucking Todd Gurley in your draft thank you Aaron Cromer Former Bills offensive line coach, but he must not have fit in or maybe he didn't want to stay in Buffalo. I don't know. Takes two to tango. Um, that said, we have Danny Crossman, the mediocre special teams coach. So you can't tell me it's because it's Rex's guy. But Jared Goff looks all right. Well, what do you know? They got an offensive line. They can play together. So how can I evaluate the roster which is what I talked about last podcast is I think Peterman's thrown in because they don't even know what the hell they have in front of them. And Peterman can at least run the offense and do what he's got to do, hopefully. And the whole point is, is molding this in with Peterman, this all comes down to coaching. All of it is legitimately coaching. We've seen it too many times. Too many times. New coaching staff comes in. Hey, we know more than you. Shut the fuck up. You're just a fucking idiot. You have never watched a game at all in your life. Football. Ha! You don't know what this is like. Fucking bleed this shit. Love my family. My family's the best. My kids are great. Great Americans. Yeah, fucking football coaches' egos. Like the biggest boneheads I've ever seen in my fucking life, dude. Like, it's already hard enough. You have 11 players on on whatever side of the ball you're coaching. They have to do the right fucking thing. And that's another 11 players that have to stop what you're doing or, or counter <laughs> what you're doing and figure it out. <laughs> like, so you would think with data, you know, like analytics, which like on the bill seems like that's, I don't know when it comes to player personnel, what they're doing. All I know is we had seven years of building a, a scouting staff that's just we're going to do it our way, our way. And the Bills' roster is depleted. After they let go of a bunch of players, trade them away for cap dollars, and I don't know where to go with this, but it comes down to coaching. It really comes down to coaching right now. Show me that these players are good because I'm not ripping on the players. I'm ripping on the situation they're in. 
they could be set up a lot better. So right now, Brian Dable, get these players into space. Let's see what Andre Holmes can do. Well, depending on the depth chart, depending on situations, we'll see what happens. But I want to see what these big bodies in Buffalo can do. They have Foster on the team. The undrafted free agent from Alabama who somehow made the team over Corey Coleman who cost them money. Don't understand. Corey Coleman must have sucked that bad. From what we saw, he did nothing in in camp. Or I should say in the games. Not at practice. So players in space. Players room the run. How's the block and look? And, you know, we watched Tom Brady for years. Nate Peterman will get rid of the ball quick. It's just when Nate Peterman, not Nate Peterman, and, and not throw the out route, not throw things that he knows he can't make. Um, confidence is huge. So if you're running the ball with Shady McCoy, he can mask your offensive line a little bit. If you're throwing some screens, you can mask the offensive line a little bit. If you're getting rid of the ball quick, you can mask the offensive line. If you have a guy like Josh Allen in there, who's not going to get rid of the ball. And I'm all about starting Josh Allen. Even if they made the change today, I'm about it. Season's about to start. I'm about the Bills. These are the chess pieces the Bills are putting out there. I'm going to roll with it. Nate Peterman, I was high on him before the Chargers game. Didn't want him to start over Tyrod. No fucking way. Absolutely stupid. Because I believe if we're going to develop a quarterback, let's develop a quarterback. Let's not put him in there just because. So, my move is kind of, here's the chess pieces that support the team. All the shit talk I've had up until this point now, it's like, all right, well, coaches, what do you got? Show me what you got. What are you made of? Let me see how you can schematically put some shit together. Because there's miles of tape on a lot of these players that are on this team still. Um, from Bodine, the center, from Newhouse, uh, the the tackle, to... Um, well, so Ryan Groy, you know, the other center, and Vlad Dukas, Miles Atafe on Vlad Dukas. So it's like, actually, I should take that back on Groy. My bad. But Groy looks solid backing up Eric Wood. So I want to see what, what did Groy do well, identify that, you know, and go through the roster. That, that, that's what a coach has to do. But. I almost wonder if coaching is like so busy that it's hard to look at things that simple or maybe it's just not that simple. I would love to have a football coach on that would actually take the time to talk to me. Any coach, if you're a football coach watching this or no one who would like to have a conversation, I'd like to ask poignant questions. Um, so Brian Dable's going to show a lot to me. Nate Hackett came in. We saw C.J. Speller in the offense run well with Chan Gailey year three, year two. And with pieces that weren't great by themselves, but together they, they, they merged. They played well. And we've seen in New England too many times. They're like, wait, you're going to do what with who? Burkhead? Burkhead. Edelman? And Wes Walker was the first of those uh, of, of the of the pack, right? So... Chris Hogan in the right spot at the right time. You know what I mean? Route running. That's what Jeremy Curry does. Route running. Most important thing is that a receiver can do is route running. What's that mean? Oh, I don't know. It's a timing-based offense most likely. So got to be in the right fucking spot at the right fucking time. Numb nuts. So that's what you can depend on here from Jeremy Curley, Chris Ivory, and Andre fucking Holmes is they'll be right 
there in the right spot doing exactly what they're asked. And I think that's a reason we didn't see a bunch of them at camp. You know, Jeremy Curley barely, I think, touched the field during training camp. Zay Jones was out there a lot. Zay Jones has a lot of work to do. A lot of work to do. Wishing the best. I'm your host, David Palermo. And um, to the comments out there, it's only Mike Smith. Um, Just kidding. So, Sean Rivera, what's the chances we land Bell next season? Man, I don't even know. But that is totally a fucking Bills move, Sean, is to get Bell. Like, pay a lot of money to a running back. And I'm not saying I don't agree with that. It's just I don't know if we have coaches smart enough to, like, put these players in the right position to, to succeed. So, Jason Stramper, Stamper, Ivory is our pounder, I think. Uh, third and short, our goal line, that's what he's here, I believe, since we going back to the power blocking team. Hell yeah, dude. I agree with you 100%. And the thing is, too, is think again how Fred Jackson was used. I think that's how he's going to be used. Matthew Gibbon. But what do we ever know about the players until the regular season? Remember last year we were supposed to have the worst secondary league? Dude, and, and that's what I'm saying, Matt. Like, okay. I don't know if I just mumbled that into the audio, but Matt brought up a point that is, that is really awesome that I love, which is we don't know shit. <laughs> like, they still have to play other teams. People get injured. People show up. And sometimes the switch just goes on for players. Like, oh, shit, I got to get my head out of my fucking ass if I want to feed my family. So, like, maybe I need to do this. And a lot of times it happens. But the Bills, frankly, yeah, look what happened. Look what happened. Yeah, they made the playoffs. Fucking great. You know what Sean McDermott did? What's that? He had, like, the best conference record, I think, of any Bills coach that didn't make the playoffs, if I'm not mistaken. So, like... He won a lot of AFC games. That's why they made the fucking playoffs. Jim Schwartz, great defensive coordinator. Great. You cleaned up the NFC North. Awesome job. They did. They went 4-0 against the NFC North that year. How's that help you get into the playoffs? Because now you got to face the Ravens game one. And I think Peterman would be the nice guy to run for that. That you could almost take the same game plan they have for Tyrod Taylor and turn it on to Josh Allen. Josh Allen is going to turn, is going to hold on to the ball too long. Nate Peterman is going to get rid of the ball. How soon? I don't know. But as a fan, it's really hard to take this fucking elephant. If you're watching here, I have my hands like almost as so weird opposite way here. Almost as wide as the screen. This is the elephant in the room of five interceptions that Nate Peterman fucking threw. It's pretty fucking wide, okay? Pretty big fucking deal. That said, he's still developing. He looked all right in the snow game before he hurt himself. You know, but, like, if this offensive line sucks, he's going to get killed if he doesn't throw the ball to the other team. And the thing is, is I talked about last podcast. I'm going to get into it with Mike Smith, give Mike Smith his run here. All right, we're going to get into hopefully before Sunday. So stay tuned. Maybe Saturday we'll have an upload of the podcast. You can listen to it Sunday morning. We'll be flattered. Um, Mike and I will definitely rail about Peterman. I owe him a garbage plate. If you don't know what that is, it's a Rochester thing. So you get hot dogs or hamburgers or cheeseburgers. You get a lot of things. But it's usually cheeseburger, hamburgers, hot dogs. Okay? You get macaroni salad. Or you get your home fries with it. Or you can get beans to sub out any one of those. Or you can get french fries. You want to be a fucking idiot. You want to get french fries. You want to hit a fork with the french fry. 
No, man. Home fries. I don't know why people put french fries with their plates. It really fucking pisses me off. And and don't get me wrong, like if they're like squiggly French fries, I'm 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 dialed in. Like, all right, all right, yo, we can go with this because then I can still get them they're a little rigid. All right, I'm done here. So I owe Mike a garbage plate. Lost my bet. So that's it. Thank you for tuning in. As always, as you can see in the little logo, brought to you by PunchDrunkSports.com. Follow them along on their podcast at PunchDrunk everywhere, and um. If you can, follow us along. Numb Bills fan everywhere you want to be. Have a lot of podcasts coming up. Can't wait to do more. I've been your host, David Palermo. Tune in. Numb Bills fan on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Subscribe to the podcast. If you like the if you like the podcast, you like the shit we spew here, fucking get on it. Get a hold of us. Get in contact. Sometimes I'm like all the messages go to me. So they're I am self-employed, so there are times where I'm, like, physically doing construction where I might not be able to get... I might not have the best reply rate all the time. Let's just say that, but I fucking try. So, get at me. Again, I'm your host, David Palermo. Follow me along on social media as well, David J. Palermo, on Instagram and Twitter. Um, Talk about some other shit on Twitter. Um, And if anybody wants to hear about the Colin Kaepernick situation, I wouldn't mind getting into that at some point either. So... Take care, and uh, let's go Bills.